I love church, and I love, uh, I love you. Glad to have you here this morning. And we are excited about this little sermon series that we're in called Rethinking Church. And uh, the, the term rethink has the idea of thinking on again, or another way to put it is to engage in reconsideration. And so that's what we're asking you to do, because sometimes we, we think about church in a certain way, and I think that what we're hoping to do here is just kind of freshen that up a little bit. There's a, a story of this gathering of a family. They got together for their regular meal, and, and it was a multi-generational gathering. And so the mom pops the, po- the, the, pops the pot roast in the oven, and uh, they always cut it in half and, and uh, put it in there. And the daughter said, Mom, why do we cut the pot roast in half before we put it in the oven? She goes, that's just the way that, that we do it, my my." Mom always did it that way, and that's the way that I'm going to do it. And she's like, okay, well, it just so happened that Grandma was there. So the girl went to Grandma and said, Grandma, why do we cut the pot roast in half before we put it in the oven? She said, well, that's, that's what my mom always did, and so that's the way that we, that's how our family cooks a pot roast. And so the great-grandma happened to be there. And she asked the great-grandma, why is it that we cut the pot roast in half before we put it in the oven? She says, because we never had a pot big enough for the whole thing. And so that's a true story because I saw it on the internet. And <laughs> I, so I, I, but it points out the fact that sometimes we do what we do thinking that there must be a valid reason for it and maybe not so much. And I think one of those instances is how we feel about a church service. And, and, and I don't know what your experiences have been, I'm sure that they are varied. Maybe they're limited. Maybe, maybe like me, you've pretty much gone to church most all of your life. And so you have these experiences. And what those experiences do then is they set expectation. Because now this is what we're looking to, quote unquote, get out of a church service. Like we have a, a checklist of what we want to have accomplished to make sure that it does something for us that we are expecting. So what I feel like it's time to do is to kind of rethink our attitude about church and why we do what we do particularly. So, so one little revelation that I had that smacked me in the face uh, a month or so ago is this set of verses in Acts chapter 2 because, because there's this argument. Well, you know, the early church, they didn't meet together like this. They met in houses. How many have ever heard that? Like, yep, okay. You're right, but I'm not wrong either. So take a look at this right here. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, and they, this is the early church, right, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. We'll just call that big church. For sake of argument. And breaking bread from house to house, there you go, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So what we discovered last week was this idea of church is varied. You have, you have meeting in the temple, you have house to house, and you have personal relationships with people. So at Virginia Hills Church, this is how we're breaking it up. We are breaking it up this way, that we have corporate worship. As far as like what our responsibility as a church is, we have corporate worship. That's our opportunity to love God 
together. Then we have community groups. They're cranking up in about two weeks. Um, we are going to have a good number of them, and you can get connected somewhere where you live with a group of people, probably a crowd of anywhere from eight to 15 people. And you're able to kind of get together on a regular basis and you get to know each other a little bit better and, and uh, you, you study the word of God and you, you eat together or you at least, uh, I was going to say drink together, but I know where your mind's going to go if I say that. Um, they're going to enjoy spending time together and getting to know each other and, and helping to meet each other's needs because you can more effectively one another, each other in a smaller group than you can in a larger group. Because all those one another's in the Bible, love one another, serve one another, all of those one another's, they happen in a community of believers and they happen better when there's fewer of you. It's just easier to meet each other's needs that way. And so we believe in corporate worship. We believe in community groups where we get to love each other better. And then, and then the idea is we want to encourage intentional relationships. I like to call it intentional family. The word that we learned last, year was, uh, last week was the word oikos. And it has the idea of intentionally inviting people into your home. Like these are becoming family. And there are, there are people in your life that God has brought into your life. And they may not be related by, by blood, but they are people that God has brought into your life for you to be able to reach for the kingdom of God, bless for the kingdom of God, and minister to on behalf of the kingdom of God. And that's called loving your world. So that's kind of where this sermon series is going to give us the opportunity to rethink church. So corporate worship. We use the term a lot, right? We do here. Worship, service. Worship, service. Two words that may not mean what you have gotten used to them meaning. To the point that I think when most of us do church, when we do a worship service, we aren't doing either. Worship or service. And so I think it's important for us to take a look at what this is. Sometimes when we go to church, we don't worship. We, we sing songs, but we don't worship. We listen to sermons, but we don't worship. We serve in a ministry area, but we don't worship. We can do all of this and not worship the Lord. I mean, you think about it. So you, you pull in, right? You find a parking space, and uh, like, like maybe you did this morning, and, and someone welcomes you. They might even hold the door open for you. Like, you don't even have to extend the arm to open the door. That's how much we love you. And then you walk in, and they put a bulletin in your hand, and then you walk in over the left-hand side. There's this coffee station, and Brent's got here early this morning. He was making coffee at 7 a.m. You're like, yeah, it tasted like it, but it... He replenishes that, all right? Um, but we, we make coffee for you. We have a team of folks that every week rotate and we, we make these great snacks for you and we do this great thing that we want to create this sense of hospitality. And then we have, we have folks that work every week in our children's department so you can go take your kids there and you check them in so you're nice and safe and you feel good about what your kids are going to be learning that day. And then you come in here and the band has been practicing and they are putting themselves out there and they're trying to create a work experience for you. And then, and then the piece de resistance, you have this man that gets up here and preaches a message. All right, I'm glad you get my humor. Um, and all of this is done. And then we, we pack up and we go get our kids and throw our coffee cup away and you head home and 
your experience is over. And that's done for the week. Took care of that. But isn't there more to it than that? Is it, is it more than just you showing up and, well, average songs today. I liked two out of three. It's not bad. It wasn't my favorite. I'm not sure why we sing songs from that kind of church. I wish they would do more of these. One thing I really miss is, that, and I get it that we all have these different experiences, but my question is, are we doing all of this and not worshiping God? Because our focus is on us and not on him. This is a worship service. So, so here's the truth. We all worship something or someone. We all worship. Let's just make it very clear. It's not a question of whether or not you do or don't worship. We all worship. I mean, we all do. The question is, what or who are you worshiping? How do, how do we know what, what it is you're worshiping? Let me, let me just kind of help direct that thought just a little bit. What matters the most to you? Like if God took it away, what, what matters the most? What would be the biggest hole left in your heart? Who do I care about the most? Who or what gets my allegiance or my loyalty? What is my top priority? Okay, let me put it this way. What gets your most time? Where do you spend most of your money? Where does all your energy go? Like these are just questions to ask yourself to determine what it is you're worshiping. Because we are created in God's image. We are spiritual beings. We are made to worship God. But what happens all too often is that desire to worship gets transferred and exchanged and rather than worshiping God, we worship stuff. I love how Chris Hodges put it. He said this, he said, worship is our response to what we value most. How true is that? Worship is more than a service or a song. And I think we've actually done a disservice thinking that, that a worship service is all that worship is about. Worship is an expression. It's an action. It's an offering. It's a behavior. It's a lifestyle. It's how we connect with the God of this universe. And here's the beautiful promise. If we draw closer to God, then he draws closer to us. What we worship, we imitate. And what we imitate, we become. Think about this. So you folks with Redskin jerseys on this morning, I'm worried about you. Amen. Right? I'll have my Cowboys jersey on next week, but just... I feel like we need some spirituality in this service. But what you worship, you imitate, right? And then what you imitate, you become. So be careful. I love what, how, how Paul puts it. So, so Romans chapter 1, uh, Paul is writing to the church at Rome. And so this letter called an epistle became a book of the New Testament. And so 
the book of Acts, which is right before this, goes into how the church spread and the gospel spread throughout the known world at the time in Africa and Asia and Europe. And then you have the book of Acts ending, and then the very next book, and it not, it's not necessarily in chronological order. It's funny, when they put the Bible, they took all the letters of Paul, and rather than put them in chronological order, when they put them in the Bible, they just put them from biggest to smallest. So the, 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 letters, in, the letters in your New Testament are not necessarily in chronological order, but after the book of Acts in your Bible is the book of Romans. And in the book of Romans, Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he says this about people who knew God. He says this in verses 21 and 20 through 23. He says, because that, and look at this exchange. This is what I'm talking about. So, so like they went from knowing God. It says this, because that when they knew God, They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. And over and over again in Scripture, you see gratitude and thankfulness closely associated with glorifying and worshiping God. And here he says it. They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. So then look what, here's the exchange. But became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God. I mean, they changed God's glory and they misdirected their worship into an image made like to corruptible man. And to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Well, that's silly. Like, why would you worship a bird? Why would you worship a cow? Why would you worship anything that's made out of wood or metal? We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't sit in front of something for hours. We wouldn't be that silly. No, we substitute teams. We substitute our possessions. We substitute activity. We substitute traditions for worshiping God. I mean, why don't we tailgate church? How cool would that be, right? It's going to happen next week. Someone's going to do it. Just because I said it. One of you people are going to tailgate at church next week. Yeah, careful what I ask for. How awesome would that be, though? Like, we want to get to church early. We don't want to miss anything, right? We want to, we want to get there. We want to, the whole atmosphere of this thing is exciting. So rather than slip in, grab coffee, slosh it on the way in, find a seat, and hope we make it through before the game starts, what if we got here early and we're like, hey, anything I can do to help? Hey, I made these. Can I... Can I you know, where wouldn't that be awesome? Like if we tailgated church, I think I may have started something. But where are we spending our time? Where, where are we expending energy? What, what are we spending our money on? Where are we evidencing, <laughs> I just made that up, the glory due to the Lord? Our worship matters to God. Worship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like go out on a ledge here. Worship is giving God something he doesn't have. And you're like, wait a minute, God has everything, right? God, 
God owns everything. God has everything. He's God. He has no needs. And God, God, worship is us giving God something he doesn't have. I know God has everything. But God removed his right to our love and affection, adoration, to our gratitude. He removed himself from that so that we would give it willingly. That's worship. Because God doesn't demand our love. He doesn't force us to express gratitude. But when we do it willingly, then it becomes worship. So what does God want from you? What does God really want from me? I believe this, that he wants me to thank him with my sincere affection. I think he wants me to thank him, but, but the key here is with my sincere affection. As I mentioned throughout scripture, like you'll see glorifying God and worshiping God and praising God right along with thanksgiving and thankfulness. And I think that there is a direct connection between me thanking God and me worshiping God. Really great, interesting passage in Psalm 50. We're gonna just take a few verses here, eight through 15. And this is, this is God talking here. He says this. He says, I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices. If, if you're not familiar, um, prior to Jesus Christ, the people of Israel were commanded to, to give sacrifices to God. It might have been a, a bag of wheat. It might have been a turtle dove. It might have been a goat or it might have been some, some other type of animal. And the purpose was to, to, to not just honor and glorify God, but it actually helped cover sins until Jesus Christ could come and be the ultimate sacrifice and wash away our sins. So he says this, I will not rebuke your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. Look at this though, like, so, so, but God, don't, God, don't you want my stuff, God? Don't you want all my stuff? Here, here's what he says, I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. And here's what he says, for every beast of the forest is mine. I already own it all and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Yeah, but I'm supposed to give God my money. Church is always asking for money. We don't, by the way. Look what he says here. For the world is mine and all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? He says, that's... I don't need that from you. All right, God, what do you want from me? He says this, offer to God thanksgiving. Offer to God thanksgiving. And pay your vows to the most high. Just do what you said you were gonna do. And listen to this, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So do you see what God is saying? I hope you saw this. Like, we are thinking we gotta give God all, and we, we should. But it's not like God just wants your stuff. God wants you to be thankful. Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta serve. Eric asked me if I'd help take up the offering. 
you're going to be a real blessing to people. Well, you know, I mean, they twisted my arm. I got to go work in nursery. Got to go bless those children. I guess if you need me to hand out a bull, then I can do it. Got to put in my time. That's not what God's looking for. It might be what we need, but it ain't what God is looking for. God is looking for somebody who recognizes how incredibly great he is. And let me just tell you, you wake up in the morning, you may not have noticed it before, but there's this big, shiny, round ball in the sky. It got there gradually, came up slowly. What God is looking for is someone to say, man, God did that. God, that is amazing. The distance that you put the earth from the sun, everything is perfect. When you go up on Skyline Drive and you look at that, that, that valley that was carved out, God, how in the world? And I get to just look at this and be amazed. Man, God, you are un- unbelievable. Like you are incredible. That's what God wants. He wants our thankfulness. Thank you, God. And let me just tell you, if that is how you feel about the God of this universe, you ain't gonna have no problem giving him anything else. When you are truly grateful and you are truly full of thanks with sincere affection for God, it's not a far stretch for you to say, sure, yeah, God, whatever you need. Recognize God's goodness. So my family is growing. We, uh, you know, we've, we've had our two girls, and now we have um, a son-in-law and a couple grandbabies. And I love it when we get to go out to eat somewhere. And, it, and here's, what, here's what I do almost every time. is like, I got the check. I got the check. I pay the thing. And this makes me feel good to be able to do that for my family. Right? You know, it makes me feel really good. Thanks for the meal, Dad. Thank you. Right? But it makes you feel good when it's recognized. And that's not why I do it. Maybe a little bit, but that's not why I do it. Uh, Mostly. God just wants to be worshipped by us thanking him. God wants us to thank him with our sincere affection. God also wants me to offer him control of my life. Some of you need to take this up a notch. I'm just saying, like you are somewhat interested, but you're not fully committed. Like you have been casually doing this thing called church and you're great at Sundays, but not Mondays. Like you're great at coming to church and doing all this. It extends beyond that. God wants all of you. Paul, in the same book of Romans, said this later on, a few chapters later in in chapter 12, verse one, he says, I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice. Like every day you get to live, you are offering yourself to the God of this universe, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The New Living Translation says, which is your worship. How beautiful is that? Giving God my life is how I worship God. I'm not just thanking him for all of his goodnesses. I am living my life in gratitude to him. In the morning, God, this day is yours. (laughs) Before I look at an email, I'm giving those to you. How I respond to a text message. I'm, I'm doing this to you. I'm giving this to you, God. I'm giving this all to you. Before I get in my car, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my commute to you. Whatever happens on the, and this is hard for me, no matter how many stupid drivers there are out there, I'm giving you this commute, God. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting the fact that you know what's going on here, and it's not my responsibility to correct all of the horrible drivers out there. Although I do feel like that's my spiritual gift. I'm just saying. I, I give my commute to you, God. I give my workspace to you. I give my family to you. We are offering our lives as a living sacrifice to God. You've been dating him for too long. It's time to walk an aisle and fully commit to God for the rest of your life. He wants you to offer your life to him. Control what I do. He wants your sincere affection that results in incredible thankfulness to him. He wants control of your life, and he wants, he wants me to include him in my daily life. I love what God said in Psalm 50. He said, I want, I want your thanksgiving, but I want, and I want you to do what you said, but I also want you to call on me when you're in trouble. Like when something happens, I want you to call on me when you are in trouble. Like what's our first response? Like what's the first thing that we think of when we need help with something? Ask God, when we are in trouble, include him. He said, I will deliver you. God says, I, I know you can give me all of those animals and all that kind of stuff. You think that's what I want, but I'm telling you what I want. And here's the thing. God told them to do all of that. God had given them all of that instruction way earlier that this is how I want you to take. But they had focused on all of that. And he's like, you know what? I don't even need all of that. What I want is you. I want you to show gratitude. I want you to be thankful with sincere affection. I want you to offer me control of your life, and I want you to include me in your daily life. Here's the bottom line. What God really wants is relationship with me. That's what God really wants. And the focus of worship is God and not me. So here's how this all wraps up into corporate worship. The focus of worship is God, not me. That means the focus of every worship gathering is God and not us. 
When we meet together, there is something exponentially better than when I do this on my own. Worship is a verb, okay? So worship is something that we do. Worship is is not a service. Worship is a verb. It's, it's, it, it, it takes participation, right? So when we meet together, now, it, something happens that doesn't happen in private worship. When we meet together and we sing, something happens that doesn't happen when you're watching your favorite TV preacher. Meeting together is significant. Now listen, I'm not saying you have to do one to the exclusion of the other. I know that you can worship God when you're on your bass boat. God, thank you for that fish. I know that you can worship God when you're out in the woods. And I hear that and and I appreciate that. But it doesn't have to be the only way you worship God. When we get together and we come together, there is something about loving God together that is exponentially greater. Because here's the truth, right? When we worship God together, some of us just need to be with other people who are worshiping God together. Sometimes we just need that. And you being here encourages somebody else. As a church, if it is our job to put you in environments and provide you with resources to love God better, and if we are to create opportunities for you to love each other better and that this is where growth happens, then let's focus that way when we meet together during a corporate worship service because because that growth and those relationships happen better when, when we are together. Now, there is very little instruction in the New Testament, like how to do church, right? So we, we, we see elements of what happened when they gathered together. We know that they took communion. We know that they sang. We know that there was instruction given. Um, we know that, that when they met together, there was ministry happening. There might have even been announcements when they met together. I know, that's a little bit of a stretch, right? But Paul did say in one of his letters, hey, bring me my cloak, right? Bring me my coat. You know, that's like a little announcement. There's not a lot of spiritual connectivity there. Like, that's not a lot of, but that's just like a little, hey, bring me my coat. You're not buying it. Okay. But when, when they met, so, so there's no specific outline of what their order of service was or anything like that. So what we try to do is we try and incorporate those things in a service like this. And so most of all of those things are included in a church service like this. So here's the truth. Every part of a church service is a worship opportunity, right? Every part of a church service is a worship opportunity. And so here's what I'm hoping is that we... Rethink our worship. How can you get the most out of a worship service? May not be the right question. Maybe how can God get the most out of your worship is the right question. So here's how you do that. How, how can you rethink worship? Do this for me. Prepare your heart. 
we're meeting together to honor the Lord, to focus on him. And I believe that you will be blessed. I believe that, that your experience here will be encouraging and challenging. But it will help a lot if you prepare yourself. I know what it's like getting to church sometimes, all right? I know, I know what, because mornings never go as planned. Especially the younger the children, the more difficult it is, all right? So, like, I, I, I get it, like, things, you know, most of us don't allow enough margin in our life. And so, instead of getting here early, we're getting here barely on time. And maybe you got in a spat because, you know, you're not used to riding somewhere together much. And maybe she's driving. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> that's going to get me in trouble. But you get here and it's like, hey, pastor. How you doing, pastor? And then you get back in the car and it's, right? That's not doing a lot to prepare your heart for a worship service. Thank him. Recognize him for who he is. Focus on your good father, your shepherd, your savior, your provider, your strong tower. And I know that sounds really spiritual, but just take time to intentionally focus on God and prepare your heart before you show up. We need to see every song, every message, every handshake, every offering as an opportunity to get closer to God and for him to get closer to us. Prepare your heart. And then I love this one. Open your mouth. Singing is a public activity. You say, I can't sing, Eric. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to sit here and be quiet and enjoy everybody else. That's the way that I can benefit the most people is by not singing. I got you covered. All right? So check this out. Psalm 95 verse 1 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Let's all, let's all get together and sing unto the Lord. And then he says this, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. So whether you can sing or whether all you can do is make a joyful noise, we're covered, all right? And I truly believe that God wants to hear your joyful noise even if you don't think it sounds too wonderful, I believe this, like God would rather hear a heartfelt, joyful noise than a miserable, beautiful voice. God's like, turn that up right there. That heart is music to my ears. I love that right there. Here's what I'm asking. Take it up a notch. Like if you're just like one of these kind of like your toes tapping a little bit, and that's all you got, that's it right there. Maybe just like a little, hmm, yeah, I like that. That's good. That's good. If you're right here, if you're just carrying a TV, like, hmm, that's good. That's good. That's good right there. Like, maybe go to my fish was this big. Like, this is good, right? If you haven't seen that Tim Hawkins video, it's the best, right? Right? Then go up to the goalpost. This is beautiful, the goalpost. Just wherever you are, Take it up a notch. Like, put yourself a little bit more into what God is doing. If you are, if you're just a barely attender, 
The average American considers themselves a regular church attender if they attend 1.7 times a month. How are we doing? That's average. I think that's low. Like, I want you here all the time. I'm sorry. I'm greedy. I want you here all the time. So maybe you go up to 1.8 times a month. I don't know. Like, maybe your average is more like three out of four. Maybe you come all the time. Maybe you're a 50 week a year kind of a person, a tender. I'm just saying, whatever, wherever you are, take it up. Maybe, maybe attendance is, is like the baseline. Let's take it up a notch. Where can I help serve? Like, what, how can I worship the Lord this way? I know this, when you feel it the least, you probably need it the most. When you don't feel like coming, get your tail down here. There's good people here. There's a few jerks. But there's good people here. And you get here and you enjoy the company of other people. Even if you just sit there on your own and you feel disconnected, being here is good for your spirit. I believe that. When you, when you feel like you just don't have it in you, come anyway. Just be a part of what God is doing. I love this so much. Look at this attitude, and I, and I, and I debated giving this to you just because of time, but Psalm 100, the first few, this is the whole psalm right here. It won't take long. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Do you catch this fire, right? Come before his presence with singing. Know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. There it is again. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures to all generations. Participation is the key. You're singing about God. So prepare your heart, open your mouth, and then here's the last thing. Offer yourself. Hey, God, what do you want? So what do you want? Whatever I have is yours. Hey, God, um, you, want my, you want my time. When would you like that? What part of my day do you want? God, what, what do you want? You want my money? How much? God, what do you need? What, you, it's your checkbook. God, what do, you, what do you want? Like, God, I want to give you my life. I, I, you have all of me. Whatever I have is yours. You want my gratitude? Okay, yeah, I can look around me right now and look at things that I can thank you for. That's worship. When we express gratitude, when we are thankful, God, I want to give you Everything I am, you have me, God, what it is that you want. We're scared to ask that kind of question. Because here's the problem, like you leave that blank empty and you give it to God, you give him a check with your signature on it, God, anything you want, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. We forget that he's a loving God. We forget that he is our provider. And I'm just saying, let's be willing to ask God what do you want, God? Want my car? <laughs> Most of you are like, you can have it. <laughs> what do you want? My question is, what is God telling you right now that he wants from you? God wants you. Every bit.
Yeah, I know you're not perfect. You don't have it together. You are working on that. I get it. You got to confess that to the Lord. That's, that's just a big piece of nastiness in your life. God wants you. God, God can handle it. What do you want, God? I'm going to offer myself to you. God wants you. And when God's people get together with that kind of focus, great things are bound to happen. Psalm 40, verse 3 says this, that he has put a new song in my mouth. Even praise to our God. And then look what happens. Many will see it in fear and shall put their trust in the Lord. Good things are going to happen. When we are God-focused, good things will happen. I don't know what you need this morning, but I know this, that you need to focus on God. And if you don't have what you think you need, like you're not even sure about this whole relationship with God thing, And we would love to settle that with you this morning and have a conversation because we all need Jesus. And that's why he came and died. If there was any other way to have a relationship with God other than Jesus Christ, then he never would have had to come and do what he did. But he suffered and he died, lived a perfect life, took all of your sin upon him. And that was a great exchange Because now you get to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And God desperately wants a relationship with you. Will you stop trying to work it out? Will you stop trying to be a better you? Will you just accept Christ? We're going to pray in just a moment. And we're going to have folks down front that are willing to talk to you about that and pray with you. That's why they're here. And we'd love to have that conversation to begin and, and make that connection. But my prayer for you is that your life would reflect the goodness of God and that it will be so evident that God has done a work in your heart and life that other people are attracted to the God that you serve. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for all that you have done in our life. Unbelievable amounts of goodness every beat of my heart, every breath in my lung, every relationship that I have, every dollar in my bank account, every possession I have, everything in this world is because of your goodness to me. And you are a great and mighty God. And I pray, Father, that you'd be glorified in my life and the songs that I sing. We love you. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.